Bye. Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus. Rolling. get on board. <laughs> Hello, I'm Darren Jolly. <laughs> it's time to get this short bus started. So let's roll and on with the show. All right, people. Welcome to part two of the class we are calling Green Energy or Green Backs. I know, I'm a clever motherfucker. Um... It's always stronger when you announce your own cleverness to everybody else. It's sort of like suggesting that you're a self-proclaimed genius, you know? <laughs> this is not Darren Jolly. Um, I'm Brian Courtney, and uh, we got a lot to talk uh, about. <laughs> so, um, well, we kind of finished off talking about just a bunch of random shit but here's here's the main problem i mean i mean obviously all of the stuff we're doing is creating byproducts and i think no matter what we do it's going to create some kind of byproduct hopefully it would be less toxic than other things if we do more research but no matter what we do there are too many fucking people on this planet. And I know anyone who's listened to an episode has heard me talk about culling the herd. Um, obviously, I don't want to just go around killing people, and killing 2.6 billion people is going to be a rough fucking job. My name is Brian, the environmental Stalinist. <laughs> <laughs> So I am putting out a call to arms, and I need a call to arms or a call. A call, 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 call. Um, I need two point six billion volunteers to, well, die, um, and then we'd be in a much better that's position. A, that's a really nice way to start an episode. <laughs> so, like, is this is this like your hail bop moment? You know, isn't that like the that was that group like they they committed like ritual suicide or something like that yeah well there were a couple of them but they were so those guys i think they were the ones that drank the kool-aid waiting for the comet no that was jim, jim well, jones no right? jim jones did kool-aid too uh they drank some kind of poison the no, hail bop people yeah um sounds like a like a hansen song hail bop Okay, so when I checked it at about 5 o'clock this afternoon, the population was at 7.9 billion people. Um, Our life expectancy is 76.4 years. Our mortality rate is 879.7 for every 100,000 people here in the United States. The birth rate is 11 for every 1,000 people. I don't know why they don't use consistent measurements, um, like why they didn't say 
percentages for both of them because the one ends up being like 0.088% for the mortality rate and then the birth rate is 1 point or 0 0.1 1.1%. Um I know I fucked up that decimal point. The fertility rate, which is different than the birth rate, is 1.66 in 2021. In 2023, it was also 1.66. By 2030, it's estimated to be uh, 1.75. So, just to explain the difference between the birth rate and the fertility rate is fertility is essentially what a woman will have throughout the course of her childbearing years and the birth rate are actual live births so um too many too many fucking people and and we're not going to be able everybody's talking about sustainable energy and everything else well this is fucking energy we cannot sustain um globally the fertility rate is or in 2021 it was 2.3 which that's actually not bad because in 1950 it was five Blam, you know well just be popping shit out you know <laughs> yeah, left and right. And that's why we're kind of, that's why the baby boomers outnumber us by roughly five to one. So just for the record, though, the Heaven's Gators, right? So what they took was phenobarbital mixed with applesauce or pudding, and they washed it down with vodka. Oh, so they did nice. Phenob they were partying. Yeah, phenobarbital applesauce pudding shooters with uh, vodka to chase it. But those... You said, oh, the Heaven's Gate people are the hail bob Yeah, people. yeah, that's yeah, what, that's yeah. They, they, were, they were finding their way into heaven. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so we've got way too many people that consume way too much shit. What What do you think our, our answer is going to be? Well, I mean, at some point, one, one of two things has to happen obviously nothing is reducible to a simple simple calculus but it goes back to what we're sort of talking about leading into the break right and that is that uh, uh schellenberger's position was rooted in this rhetorical space that uh the the people that were talking about environmental catastrophe were suggesting he's suggesting that they were sort of like cherry picking uh statistical positions um uh, I think if you look close enough at his stuff, you, you probably would find a, a similar conclusion. But uh, one way or another, you know, if you live in a finite space with a finite number of resources, there's a ceiling. That's, you know, I mean, what, what that is, the only thing that I'll acknowledge with regards to his position is that there's a lot of conjecture that's rooted in various different uh, analytical dispositions that we we uh, we look at, and uh, to try to create a concrete 
definitive space with regards to when, who, what, where, you know, what those those limitations are is probably, I mean, we can't even fucking predict weather, you know, barely, you know, I mean, to, to try to understand the the ceiling limitations with regards to who and what, you know, what, what we're capable of doing is probably tough. But having said that, again, we're back to the finite, you know, so you either start to approach this from a good faith place where you analyze these things where you sure you can talk about investments, you can talk about uh, trying to create ways to um, experiment, look at, find uh, different solutions. But if you're not at least doing that in a way where you have gigantic financial institutions that, uh, you know, or various different human institutions that get so hell-bent on their own spaces, their own financial interests and spaces, you're, you're not going to be able to come up with solutions. Uh, a lot of the different things that I started to look at, and we had no intention initially when, I mean, when I asked you about whether or not we want to do this this one, like I, I just sort of like re-looked at the, the Planet of Humans thing, you know, and uh, the question is it related to green energy um, seemed to be one of those things that was sort of like pounding in our in our face. And the people that were taking a right turn from that, a lot of them were reinvestigating the questions as it related to nuclear energy. Um, uh, Oliver Stone just released uh, a new documentary. Uh, I think it's called Nuclear Now. Um, sort of an interesting discussion on the things that have happened over the course of nuclear development, um, the ways in which there was a real big backlash, you know, in the wake of Chernobyl, in the wake of Three, Three Mile Island. Um, uh, Fukushima, um, there, there were all these sort of like negative analytical dispositions because of these various different spaces. But again, you're looking at, when you're looking at those uh, examples, a lot of times people are looking at specific things with regards to them. They're not looking at them in the, in the bigger context. Um, and they're definitely not looking at them where they're weighing out uh, the consequences of sticking with fossil fuels or continuing down the, the green energy pathway or uh, reimagining a space in relation to nuclear. Um, there, were, uh, there was another documentary that I found called uh, Pandora's Promise. It was made in 2013. Uh, Schellenberger was a big... Uh, presence on that on that documentary uh, like a contributor or he yeah. was just in it he was in it and, and he was a, he was both I mean it looked like and uh, he talked about how um, he was essentially an environmentalist when he was growing up about how he was heavily tied to I think his first uh, young moment was uh, you know the redwood stuff and he became a hyper environmental activist and then he started to engage the green energy folks. And because of the shortcomings that you extensively discussed throughout the last episode, he became understandably disenfranchised. I mean, not disenfranchised, and dis, um, enchanted. And disenchanted, that was the word that I was looking for. He became disenchanted with that solution um, for all the different things that you were talking about, for the fact that uh, there were many promises that were made. Uh, they weren't considering the negative uh, byproducts that were being produced by it. Uh, the very like rough 
mining positions particularly uh, as it related to it um, and the fact that when they would create these energies uh, the outcomes were very limited with regards to what it was they're capable of producing he, he was also critical of again understandably that when like solar or wind I mean these are the ones that people focus on a ton um, that you had to lean back on fossil fuels in those spaces and he did talk a bunch about the uh, the uh, what's it, the bio um, mass, biomass, uh, um, which again is something that, uh, like in the planet of the humans, they go, they go, like the the guy who um, produced, I can't remember his name, I'll figure it out in a minute. Jeff. Jeff uh, Gibbon, maybe? No. Um, I think it's Gibbon. Maybe. Uh, Riley? No. I think I, I, I but um, well, I'll figure that out in just a second. But, uh, um, uh, when he went to that uh, uh, green energy, we love green energy. Uh, the rally in New York. The Earth Day kind of stuff and all that. Uh, when he would go and approach all these various different uh, individuals, they talked to this guy that was part of Clean Water Action. Uh, when I was young, uh, I got a job with clean, out, clean Water Action for two days. I went through the training, and then we went out and started asking people for money. And I realized the nature of what it was that we were doing, and I was like, this is fucking bullshit. So I fucking walked away from it. But he talked to a clean water action person. Again, he talked to uh, um, RFK, I think, was at, at it in that in that uh, instance. Um, and uh, yeah, and that McKibben guy was McKibben there. McKibben was there, and, he, and totally shut him down. Started talking shit to him. Um, and also, uh, who's oh uh, the the one that I mentioned earlier. Um, one of the big environmental organizations of uh, well, the Sierra Club Sierra was there. Club, yeah, Sierra Club is what I was thinking of. Um, anything in relation to 350.org, um, they all just were pumping up uh, these things that they put in the category of green energy. And again, like the problems with solar, the problems with wind. But when he, he went and asked him directly about the um, uh, the burning of, you know, these trees to create fuel, like, uh, and he would ask them directly, do you think this is a good solution? They all made the, the same analytic argument. It falls in the category of uh, green energy, therefore, you know, and this is a, a relative level of absurdity that it makes a, uh, it, it's just like the, the, the society putting a gun to its head and fucking blowing its fucking social brains out. So, um, in those spaces, uh, they make a lot of good points, but when they circle back and they circle back to, um, when I say they make a lot of good, like, like in the, uh, that, the Pandora's promise, they make a lot of good points with regards to the limitations and Schellenberger makes a lot of good points with regards to the limitations of, um, green energy. They circle back to, uh, nuclear energy and, uh, like stone, um, they talk a lot about byproducts. They talk a lot about and about how when you're measuring these different things out, it seems like uh, because the energy that's produced for all intents and purposes through nuclear is quite a bit cleaner than a lot of other producers. It's super fucking clean yeah. if you don't talk about the by the 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 waste part of it but not it's not just not talking about it it's well no i about... mean if if you can't if you could eliminate it then it would be awesome 
It would be perfect. Yes. But we have to talk about things in degrees of relative outcomes, right? Yeah. So the question is, what are the byproducts make a potential for uh, the use of the fuels that we're using right now? What are the uh, the byproducts and the negative outcomes of, of green energy? Green energy, and what are the byproducts and negative outcomes of nuclear? Um, interestingly, right now France has done a ton of stuff. They've built a ton of reactors, and they're a good case study that you can look at, where you can see something about measures of success in relation to uh, shifting towards nuclear energy. No matter what you can't downplay or bypass the significance of how you deal with uh, the storage, right? But one of the things, so you talked about water storage when we were talking about it off air. So talk about the water storage a little bit. Well, so just real quick, because you said France did a bunch of stuff. Okay. Um, according to the International Atomic Energy Agency, there are a total of 400 reactors in 32 countries that account for about 10% of the world electricity. So I don't know how many of those are in France. Um, in the United States, we have a total of 93 reactors at 55 power plants in 28 states. And this is stats from, just so I know. From the this international. Year, this year, but yeah, this year, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so the waste comes out, well, <laughs> I guess there are two different types of radiological waste. Um, when talking about nuclear power, the waste comes in the form of what they call spent fuel rods. Um, and a fuel rod is just what it sounds like. I mean, it's a, a some sort of metallic rod that's filled with radioactive ceramic pellets, and they take about 200 rods to create what they call an assembly, and then the reactor is going to run on average about well anywhere between 150 and 200 of these assemblies to to run the reactor um a lot of that depends on which type of reactor it is because one of them is a pressurized water reactor and one of them is a boiling water reactor um, and then there are three other types of reactors that aren't as used um but so these spent fuel rods the assembly is roughly uh, 14 feet long and they need to be changed every 12 to 18 months because while they still have about 90 percent of the radioactive capability in them they have run the course of the thermal efficiency to build that pressure to turn the turbine. So technically, 
and and I didn't get into this, but technically, because of the magnets used in the turbines in nuclear reactors, they're using rare earth elements also. So there is going to be some of that waste okay. also. Um, but just the the spent fuel rods. Um, so by law, they have to be in a pool that is concrete and steel reinforced. Um, it's got to be under a total of about 20 feet of water. Most of them use 40 feet. These rods get so hot that the way that it works is there's a, a pump cycle. So water has to constantly move over these so there's 40 feet of water that's constantly going around this pool because you have to get it to release that heat energy at that point in time yeah. just to keep it cool because yeah. if if the water stops and stays in place those fucking rods are so hot that it's going to boil the water out then the rods catch on fire and then start leaking radioactive waste and then you know more rods catch on fire and and it ends up being another three mile island or chernobyl or fukushima well, whatever island was not nearly as there, there was there was some liquid there was some liquid liquid leakage in that one like the the outcome of that one was overblown chernobyl was a lot different and they didn't have the capability of containing the because they built the, they i mean they essentially converted a a facility that they used to create nuclear weapons into a power plant. Yeah. And which means that they didn't, I mean, like, like with Fukushima, like when Fukushima melted down, the problem, the, the deaths from Fukushima had to do with the, the waves, right? Not so much the, but they managed to contain when it was overheating, that there wasn't, there wasn't a real leak. I mean, they they were moments away from feeling like they had to fucking move everybody. And curiously, that's why I love Zizek, you know. They were going to get everybody out of fucking Tokyo and move them to fucking Siberia for a minute. And they were actually talking to Russia about that, which was, like, in terms of, like, dealing with the transnational, you know, economic, ecological uh, tragedy or potential nasty situation. They were working together. They were trying to fucking find a solution. But I don't want to get too far away from what you were saying. It's just important that, like, people look at Three Mile Island. There was some leakage. The leakage didn't even, it didn't amount to barely anything. Chernobyl was different. It was different because they didn't construct it properly in the first place. Uh, and despite the propaganda in relation to Fukushima, they actually contained it very, 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 very well. So no, no. I mean, I that's that's fine. I was just using those because I know, and and those are things that were on the news. Like, and I was going to talk about it because it didn't make big news. But down in New Mexico, outside of Carlsbad, they use um, this salt mine that's basically twenty one hundred feet underneath the ground to store old what they call true waste which stands for transuranic waste which is 
greater than uranium. Um, I was once uranium, but then I became another thing. Right. So <laughs> I'm true. I, um, I identify myself as something else other than uranium. So they store all of this shit down there. And in 2014, they had a leak. But I don't remember fucking hearing about it. So I, I just think it's kind of funny. But the reason they use that salt mine is because salt grows and automatically, you know, fills cracks and, and so yeah. So, but let me, so was that, was that something that was, it had gotten to the point to where they had gotten the rods down to a certain temperature where they could put it down there and there wasn't a problem like that? Or? Well, no. So that the answer is no. Okay. Rods are not supposed to be stored there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I was kind of saying they're two different things. So in, I don't know, I think it was, I think it was 2009, but I could be wrong. I'm I'm just guessing. Um, you were probably wrong. For for the storage of the spent fuel rods, they had a proposal to basically bury it in some fucking cave in Nevada. Nevada said, "Fuck you, we don't want it." Lots of states that would have been in between like on the train tracks or whatever said fuck you we don't want that shit coming through our state so they ended up shutting it down so at least according to what they're telling us these spent rods are still in pools so because of the fact that we generate 2,000 metric tons of spent fuel rods every year. That's the United States. That's not globally. Um, They're building more pools so that they can put more shit in them because, again, they have to change the rods every 12 to 18 months. Um, But there's another system. So now, according to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, they can stay in the pool for five years and if they need to or they can want to i guess if they've run out of room then they can apply for a license to move it to what they call dry cask storage and dry cask storage are these huge fucking metal barrels that have boron in them and iron and you put the rods in there and whatever. But that's where, and that's where most of them, once they get to the point where they lower the temperature enough, they end up getting put into, from what I understand. A lot of, a lot of the storage goes to, I mean, at least, I don't know. I mean, no, I, I, I don't know the answer either for sure. I just know that a lot of these nuclear, the reactor companies were complaining that they had to build more pools. Mm-hmm. Because it's my understanding, like, there is, I think it's 21 nuclear power plants that have been decommissioned here in the United Mm -hmm. States. But they're still, like, they've got a higher security and everything else because they've still got these fucking ponds Mm -hmm. that have all of these fucking storage rods in them. Well, one of them went out of... I mean, was actually, they shut the plant down in like 1986. So that's been almost 40 fucking years that 
they've been running those pools. So clearly, for some reason, even though it said five years on the, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission website, they're not moving it from wet to dry in five years. Um, because, the again, the companies are complaining that they have to build more pools and, and all of this stuff. So I don't know what makes a company special enough to where they can move it to dry. And I know that a lot of them are moving to dry, but not all of them. Because um, otherwise they wouldn't be building more of these ponds. This, so this is this this creates a space where ultimately you have a rhetorical disposition because the financial capital that's tied to certain energy positions that seem to hold down information with regards to what is that's happening with regards to this stuff. And because like a lot of the stuff that I was reading, they're not they're not holding them in the water for that long. They're actually getting them out of the water into the dry cask storage. And that there's actually this thing where they have fourth generation reactors, where they have the capability of taking those rods and reusing them. Actually, well, they recycle the rods sometimes, and and sometimes what they do is they just pull part of them out of the assembly and then put other ones back in. So yeah, there is reduce reuse recycle yeah. whatever but it just seems like there's so many things that are going on below the surface because we're not engaging in a good faith act and trying to figure out what makes sense what's the best what's the future how can we do this because no matter what one thing that you're pointing out that we can't get away from is that so say tomorrow everybody decided nuclear is the cleanest right and we should now I'm not saying that this is the way or what we should do. I, I think that your other position actually makes more sense where you you create spaces where you have capabilities and certain reasons to do certain things. And you sort of diversify your position in relation to that on, on a global level and you draw from whatever you can. And the long-term goal is for us to create what's uh, reproducible for the for this, the human existence writ right. large, right? Um, but say for instance that they that they did that not that the original thing that i was saying where we just shift to nuclear all the way across the board no matter what i mean are we just going to build fucking dry casket spaceships and just shoot them into the fucking sun are we gonna send them to fucking mercury you know because it's already fucking hot there anyway and maybe it'll help to you know <laughs> burn it up something yeah wh whatever you know i mean it, it, no, whatever my solution is it doesn't fucking matter there there would have to be because you're going to produce these uh outcomes that need to be de dealt with one way one way or another um and the fact of the matter is that you're dealing with energy where you're producing it in a way that's exciting certain material aspects of human existence in the form of these rods that they can't be left idle like it you have to come up with a solution you have to come up with a way of dealing with this with this problem otherwise you're uh, ostensibly doing the same thing with nuclear that you were doing with green energy before it and fossil fuel energy before that and uh you're just as much of a dick as everybody else that was trying to you know whether it's richard branson or the Koch brothers or you know, you're just as much of a dick as all those. Well, and this this might be one of the issues. I don't know 
for a fact, you know, because when you start poking around and, and asking questions like this, they, they're kind of defensive, and I think that that's why they don't post, like, an FAQ about it, because, you know, they're, they've got heavy security around all of these things because of terrorist activity and, and things like that. So maybe that's that's part of the reason that they don't give everyone a straight answer. Part of it could be because they're fucking up the environment and they don't want anybody to know. Um, part I, of it might be because of like the way that we were dealing with Iran. You create a space where there's potential for enriching uranium and using it for other things that you weren't intending. Not that I think that that's why we weren't allowing Iran to do what you know, for the reactors and yeah. stuff, but which I think is part of it, but I think that there's other things obviously that are going on in person as well. But well, one of the things I read about the the dry casks and maybe this is one of the reasons that they don't like dry compared to the wet is they know that the wet has been working for years and years and years. Um and boron is is also involved in the the pond or the pool storage but in the dry cask it's it's got this boron in it but the degradation of boron happens at such a rapid rate that those dry casks are not as effective as they should be for as long as they should be um especially when you consider like the half-life of fucking uranium um, plutonium, I mean, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but I think it's like fucking 2,600 years or something on the half-life. So if boron is degrading, you know, to where this cask only lasts 20 years, then... What are you, what are you worried about? You only got to think about it 1,300 more times. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, dude, so that salt mine down in New Mexico... I, I think they might be burying shit there. I, I don't know. Because um, like I said, the it's called the Waste Isolation Pilot Plant. And it was designed to take weapons grade waste. Mm -hmm. um, so sludge, uh, uniforms that, that had touched it, like the, the mop suits, um, anything, tools, whatever that would have high amounts of radiation and you have to keep a, a, a huge amount of security around it so that you don't have somebody coming in there and extracting it for their own purposes right so. well what they did is they set this timeline that said it's 10,000 years so they need to make sure that that place is safe and secure for 10,000 years and they built these berms and weird like scary shit like spikes and they've buried That's stuff cool. all throughout the desert and like multiple like languages to in the, the mountains when they started talking shit yeah to dude <laughs> um, please step away from the railroad tracks you have broken the law what, what was that up there it was the, the train track. It would, no, it's the fucking same train track that the Winter Park ski train runs on, you know, through Netherland and under the, the pass. Um, but there's 
all of these old houses that I'm sure at one time railroad employees worked in because they had to shovel the tracks and shit in the wintertime. Well, they're all old busted up cabins. And I was walking back. I mean, there are signs everywhere that say, you know, no trespassing, don't go beyond this point. That's a real good way to dissuade you from doing something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was really curious what was back there because, I mean, obviously the Department of Transportation doesn't want somebody, you know, taking down a, a train tunnel. But the, I think there's something else going on. I don't know what it is. Don't go there. Don't go near the railroad tracks. Sorry, that was a reference to Well, it could have been like it just reminded me of that movie, The Mule, when he's like, Hey there, young fella. She's like, Young fella. <laughs> and she said really? she said, We're dykes. Dykes on bikes. And he goes, Oh, sorry. Well, I still think it's the pressure regulator or some shit and uh she said thanks old timer and he said you're welcome dykes and he walked away <laughs> somewhere between uh grand Torino and uh mule you, you're plenty Eastwood. you're just not gonna get much better than the straight the straight shooter of plenty so no pun intended you know you're you're welcome, Dykes. Um. Anyway, <laughs> so um, they're burying fucking metallic discs all throughout the desert in different languages, warning people about fucking the radiation. It's like, and you said different. So it's literally like the fucking the spaceship that we sent up in a million different languages. Right. Um. If you continue to walk farther. Oh, my. But that's the longest term planning our government, I think, has probably ever done anything. Because most of the time it's in quarters, maybe five years. Well, but we that's haven't it. even existed but for five fucking minutes. I mean, to think about us right. making a plan that's supposed to take care of an environmental position that doesn't fucking degrade to the point where we destroy ourselves over the course of 10,000 years is, particularly in relation to the bigger picture of what we're talking about right now, is a little bit laughable. It's kind of, it's so fucking stupid and, and laughable that it's almost embarrassing to even imagine, you know, like that would be one of those moments, like when we're dead and the fucking aliens come down and land and they roll up on one of those discs and they like, just they, chuckle because they communicate to each other through telepathy, you know, right. or whatever. And they're like, these were the dumbest motherfucking species that we've ever seen in all of our travels to all the different planets that we've gone to. What in the fuck were they fucking thinking? Hand me one of those blankets. And, and the other one goes, thinking? <laughs> we are dumb. Yeah, so... I'm really kind of curious if they are taking the, the spent fuel rods down to the, the, white, the waste isolation pilot plant but um you know according to the government they're not so i think it is just pawns but you a lot of take that at face value. yeah most of the stuff that they're burying down there is in those similar casts okay. they're the the big Dry and they've got like a 
a half a cask and a larger one, but either size has to be transported by those big fucking semi trucks. Like they were talking about how they have 10 scheduled deliveries every year and they're hoping by 2024 to increase that to 17 per year. So, you know, these these big semis are rolling through people's states regardless. You got something on your leg, dude. Yeah, Kettle's just puked on me. Oh, gross. Um, you want me to pause this? No, keep going. I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to say. So, um, yeah, the United States, again... 2,000 metric tons of spent fuel. Now, one really cool fucking stat that I read off of, I can't remember which site, but basically they said that a chicken egg worth a uranium will provide you enough energy for your entire lifetime. So if we could figure out a way to make nuclear cleaner or have less of a negative byproduct, then nuclear is definitely the way to go just because of, you know, like how efficient it it is. Um, Yeah, there were a bunch of statistics that I saw where they were talking about weight on them, right? And this guy says... This thing that's the size of my pinky, and it's real heavy, you know, but they'd say, um, you know, a thousand tons of coal, you know, uh, you know, whatever relative in, 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 you know, gasoline, whatever, whatever it was that they said, whatever it was that they were using. It, But I mean, again, good faith acts, like we have to start looking at what these, whatever it is that's going on down in those salt spaces, whatever is it's going on in those areas where everything's being, you know, it's odd. Like, I didn't realize, like, Eisenhower is, like, swiftly becoming one of my favorite presidents of all time. Because of the interstate system? Yeah, it's all about, yeah, the the, the linking up of things through roads, yeah. No, but, uh, you fucking douche nozzle. (laughs) Aside from the fact that he's the first person that used the term military-industrial complex, right? Um... When the Soviets were ahead of us in terms of producing uh, the reactors in the first place, and uh, I can't remember what it was that he called it, but uh, to make sure that the Soviets weren't giving their technology to weren't giving their technology to Europe, we started to give our technology to European countries to develop their nuclear um, reactors. We started giving it to them for free, and. That was something that uh, it has a spin on it that takes the rhetorical disposition about the way that we identify ourselves when it comes to questions of, you know, innovation, of potential out of the context of the nation state. And of course, he was doing it as an American on behalf of American interests. I'm not going to totally altruistically identify Eisenhower's acts as you know, something that was being done just for the sake of good, per se. But 
it was still something where you could think about things in terms of selling them, but they didn't think about things in terms of selling them. They, they gave that information, that technology, that capability to those countries. And if we're going to play this game in a way we're going to survive as a species, we have to play the game like that. And I think that Eisenhower had a better coming out of World War II as, you know, having been a, you know, a huge general that had to deal with all the bullshit that was going on during that time period. Um, you know, he, he was disconnected from the, the FDR Truman politics and he had his own sense of it. And I think that he really had a, had a more human perspective on the direction that things needed to go in. I, I really liked the idea of, you know, sharing that information. And the only reason I say sharing is because I think that a government could share with lots of other governments and those governments could then help with the research and development of something better, more efficient, less detrimental, you know, all of these good things that could happen. Um, but so under the guise of security and you know from a, a military perspective joe biden recently signed an executive order called america's supply chains and becoming less resilient on you know or less uh, reliant. reliant on uh, foreign countries. You're, and that was about the rare mineral stuff. Yeah. Um, Donald Trump wrote two executive orders that were nearly fucking identical. What, what were the numbers on them, Rain Man? Uh, well, so Biden's was 14017. 14.017. Um, and Trump's were 13.817 and 13.953. But they were all almost fucking identical. And I don't know if it's so that they could show the public that they were doing something. Um, if, but I, I mean, how many executive orders do you have to write for the same same fucking thing well especially when you've got two royal fucking douchebags that stand on a platform and cuss the shit out of the other one talking about how one's a criminal one an idiot and the other one's a criminal and an idiot when we all know that both of them are criminals, criminals and, and idiots, idiots. Yeah. yeah reminds me of the scene from uh, uh game of thrones we've had idiot kings and we've had but we've never had a, a crazy idiot, uh, murderous idiot king. You know, it's like what we have right now. We have murderous idiot kings. Famous. I thought you were going to say my fellow Americans. <laughs> Why would I say my fellow Americans? Because one was a Republican and one was a Democrat, yeah, and they Americans. fought constantly. Um, it, it really does demonstrate a degree of douchery where they're pretending to be opposites, but they're ostensibly the same thing. <laughs> yeah, but I mean... So they're they're saying that it's for our security, um, that it's for the the betterment of the country because you know China controls eighty five percent of the rare earth elements, 
And if they don't control the mining part, they generally control the processing part. And, you know, we're spending shitloads of money on fossil fuels because we're shipping the ore over there and then they have to ship it back. I mean, it's a fucking joke. But I don't think it has anything to do with our security. I mean, granted, it does go into drones and military communications and all of that. But, and, you know, um, avionics, you know, this stuff for airplanes and, and boats and whatever. But, I think it is really just because they want to increase profit margins for Raytheon and Lockheed Martin and uh, General Dynamics and General Electric and all of these guys. I don't think it has one fucking thing to do with our security or the environment. Especially since when you talk about that, the process where you take the... The, the hard stuff and you have to distill the stuff out like if you're moving like tons and tons of ore over there to kind of clean all that shit out uh, we don't even produce aluminum in the united states anymore you mm -hmm. know i mean we're not because because of the byproducts that it, that it produces so uh, let's be honest you know like like the posturing with regards to you know china this and russia that and democrat this and republican that like we 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 create these rhetorical spaces where conflict is presented in a certain way but my god like we use like we, we just send the uyghurs in there and let them clean that shit out and they can all die because the chinese can hurt them up and use them as the slave labor that they want to use them as and i don't know that that's what the, the it, uyghurs it do. does yeah. kill a lot of people uh, though i yeah. mean because it's toxic it's lethal yeah, yeah. and i i so, again, the company that owns that mountain pass mine in, in the Mojave mm -hmm. has opened up. They had a processing plant there. They opened up another one in Texas. And, you know, they're they're sprinkling the waste across the desert, which I think is fucking hysterical. But I don't think that the, that the scorpions think it's hysterical. No, they don't. And neither do the Joshua trees or... Any right. of we stuff. got rid of all the Joshua trees because we needed to make that solar array out there, right? I mean, not they started yeah. to remove all them out there for that. So, well, and that's something that we didn't talk about either was the fact that you know those solar panels last maybe ten years, turbine lasts twenty five. And the way what you got to do to make a fucking solar panel is just lethal nasty shit, dude. I mean, it is not. You fucking hipster doofuses got to get over yourselves and look at the consequences of what it is that you're worshiping right now. You got to think this through a little bit more clearly. Well, and those guys, that's what I was going to say is that if it wasn't for the dipshit that has a fucking license plate that says save on gas, you know, on his Tesla, um, if, if the United States government thought that they could get away with it, which clearly they can because they're sprinkling shit all over the desert. If they could get away with it more, then we'd have a processing facility over here by Red Rocks. Um, but at some point, you know, these Earth Day t-shirt wearing people are going to say, that's, that's wrong. We're green people. Um... Why don't you ship that shit back to China? They're not going to put it by Red Rocks. 
they got to make sure to have their nice concerts, you know. Like, it's got to be a little bit further away from Red Rocks. Well, the pro I mean, the fucking mine is real close to Red Rocks. Yeah. What, 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 uh, Heritage Park, right? That's where we used to yeah. ride the, uh, Alpine, Alpine slide. slide. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's right down the street. Um, and, I mean, we didn't talk about copper mining or, or any of the other mines because, but all of those things go into these, these green technologies. And, you know, for our listeners, I'd, I'd like you to do some of your own research, check on some of this stuff, but we're wasting more fossil fuels by pretending that we're green than if we were just using fossil fuels. So this is actually the only argument when Schellenberg talks about his stuff. I, I, and I like, because sometimes when he makes that, sometimes, so like the Malthusian uh, environmentalist argument, sometimes I think he starts making those arguments because he's arguing against the person who he used to be, right? It's like sort of self-hatred from, from what he was at, at another point in time. But I, I honestly think that when he says we need to deviate from the green technologies and go back to fossil fuels, it's literally because he's trying to say the way that we're doing it right now, we're using four times as much when we could get back to a quarter where, where that's at to do the same thing. And then we could create the segue back to, to nuclear because he's <clears throat> sort of like one of those uh, uh, nuclear worshippers, you know, which again, like we're talking about here. We need to make sure that we're doing our homework. We need to make sure that, like, uh, we're seeing what the truth is in relation to it, not like we've been doing with green energy for the last fucking 20 years. Um, but if that's his argument, there's a degree of reasonableness with regards to it, uh, but I can't buy that that's his whole argument because he talks about, you know, uh, economic growth from here to eternity, you know, as, as a positive and... Uh, worshiping capitalism. Obviously, he doesn't know the difference between capitalism and socialism, and I would be happy to talk to you about that anytime you want, Michael Schellenberg, but you're going to have to read a fucking book before you talk to me about it. You can't just posit some rhetorical bullshit that some fucking environmentalist said about what it is that socialism is or what it is that Marxism is. You're going to actually have to know what you're saying if you want to talk to me about these things. But uh, um, given that context, uh, the way that he idealizes concept of capitalism, of growth, um, uh, that's absurd. But at the same time, if green technology is, is demanding more outputs with regards to fossil fuels, then we need to be uh, taking a long, hard look at what it is that we think we understand about these things. Like you said, do the research, look at it, figure out what it is that's really happening. And if you have a, a financial relationship with them because you get paid for them, paid by them, then, uh, you know, fuck off. Concern, you know, yeah, you're not being honest with yourself. You know, I kind of, and you and I talked about this yesterday when you mentioned the book to me. Um, because everything you described made me think that the guy was just a complete fucking retard or owned by them. And, and yeah. yeah, that's what I was gonna say is that you know, maybe his publishing house, whichever one it was is being influenced by somebody else um and they said no you can't say this or if you do say this you know make sure you counter it with that um 
but I don't know whether or not that that's true either. I mean, but I do know historically lots of books, maybe not at the, the publishing and, and editing level, which is kind of what I'm talking about here, but on the banned book level, you know, once it was released, lots of books were banned because they would hurt certain industries. You know, the jungle was banned because of the slaughterhouses and the meat industry. Um, the jungle, ironically. We'll back that from Sinclair. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, just, you know, do some research, check your facts, and don't believe a guy just because you liked what he did on, on the Twitter files. Um, or whatever. Yeah. You know, one thing doesn't necessarily have to do with the other, you know? And honestly, because I did like what they did there. But. He might have written the book just because he wanted to make some money and the publishing company said, you know, we'll give you a million dollar check right up front without think, any sales. I don't I don't think they do that unless you, you, you your last name is like Obama or Trump or something like that. I don't think they're gonna give but the point about getting cut a check I I I, I follow you on that. So Yeah, the figure could have been anything. Mm -hmm. But um so fuck I don't know. Again, I mean this is the second episode we've done on the environment. And we still have come nowhere near the depth that we we needed to um, because there's so much to be said. I mean, really, we could probably do two or three weeks on any of the technologies that we talked about, um, you know, Two weeks on on biomass because you got to do some research. Um, yeah, solar, wind, yeah, hydro, yeah, yeah, all yeah, of them. Yeah. yeah, we didn't we didn't barely talk about hydro. There's a ton of green stuff we didn't talk about barely at all. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but hydro. Well, I guess it depends on on what you're talking about, but like. I know here in Denver, like in the summertime when it gets really hot and we start having like the rolling blackouts or the rolling brownouts because everybody's got their AC on, they crank up the power plant out at Georgetown and they run water up the mountain and then they run it back down. <laughs> the irony is that you got to have a pump. Yeah, to pump it up energy, there. You gotta energy to, to make right. energy. So I mean you're you're still Use using fossil make, fuels. Use energy to make energy, yeah. Um takes money to make money. Takes energy to make energy. <laughs> so um but well I was gonna say water, you know, is more consistent than the sun or wind or whatever but even that is a year to year or yeah, a month long, to month thing. as long as, as long as you have it right? right i mean not everybody's got 
got fucking Niagara Falls and all that shit, you know. But even still, that that's always going to be, as you're suggesting, a matter of degree relative to what it is that's coming down the pipe, so so to speak. So um, we should have been able to talk for hours and hours and hours about this shit, but we're only coming up on an hour right now. I'm trying to think if there was anything else that I didn't talk about. So just to kind of give you guys a better idea of, you know, what you might be using, um, LED TVs use about a hundred Watts when they're on. Uh, if you're watching something in, in high definition or 4K, you know, the higher the resolution, the more power you're going to be using. Same goes for like your Xbox or your PlayStation and, and you're right around 100 watts if, if you're just playing. But more people, more resolution, more power. I uh, already talked about the electric cars and the reactors i'm going to go off on just something for just a second yeah that's fine okay so one thing that's becoming a really bad habit is for us to meditate on progress as if we move forward and every step is, is a move ahead right this is uh this is this is a fallacy this is something where when you think about things in terms of straight lines um you trick yourself into uh, getting emotionally connected to the belief that you're doing something and that there's some good outcome with regards to what it is that you're doing. Um, we need to get away from this type of thinking. We need to get ourselves into a place where um, uh, there's a guy um, who announced candidacy for presidency recently. Uh, originally, he, he did it through the People's Party, but uh, he moved to the Green Party. His name is Cornell West. Um, uh, there's a, a thing, a phrase that he repeats over and over and over again by uh, Samuel Beckett, and uh, it's a phrase that like points to the fact that you don't think about history in straight lines, you don't think about progress as if you're moving from one space to another, and that you're always inevitably getting closer to the goal that you're trying to get at, uh, which is the definition of teleology. Um, but uh, it, just like all the bullshit with regards to Marx, but I'm not going to go down that, that pathway. Um, the point is, that, so he says, Samuel Beck says, fail, fail again, and fail better. So the point that we should be thinking about as a society is that we need to not subjugate ourselves to the process of capitalism, per se. We need to subject ourselves to the process of, of getting better as a society. Um, you can use tenets of capitalism to help you to get to a space like that, but if you subject subjugate your all your logics to the profit motive, then just like I've said with education in the past, uh, education falls uh, victim to like you're you're only going to be producing knowledge that's saleable. You're not going to produce knowledge that's aimed at the truth. Uh, when you're talking about something that could the failure to analyze it properly, proper, properly, <laughs> the failure to analyze it properly uh, could result in the death of not just fuck fucking humans, could result in the death of everything on this planet for the most part. 
you need to institute a method that allows you to create a potential for success. That means that you're looking at all the different things that are on the horizon that are uh, where you're connecting to in the immediate space. You, you see what the outcomes of those things are. You see what's good. You see what's bad. And you adjust yourself. Criticism, self-criticism, rectification. You have to continue to change. You cannot play this fucking game where our connection to the market dictates are the only thing that allow us to move in a certain direction. As our buddy Janae had suggested this is capitalist time, and capitalist time is not going to solve our problems. We need to conceive of a different way of thinking about social movement, and it needs to be something more like what it was that uh, Brother uh, Cornell West said, where we fail, we fail again, and we fail better. Because we're not going to get there straight away. We have to keep revolutionizing our position in relation to what we know, what we think we know, and and create a, a real solution. Otherwise, we're just doing things to trick ourselves into feeling better, like we're creating an outcome that's going to lead to our salvation, but all we're essentially doing is making things infinitely worse. Because that's what, the reason why we're looking at green technology is because, in theory, it was a, a great idea, but it's not producing what it was that we thought it was going to produce. The inputs are brutal. They're brutal in a number of different ways. Go talk to the people in the Congo about it. Go talk to the people in northern Afghanistan talk about it. Go talk to these people in the north, north, northern central China where uh, that mine is, and uh, you'll see what the outcome is. And if we don't at least sort of try to find a space where we're taking the world that we exist in, that, you know, that ontological space, and attaching our ability to understand that, that epistemological space and sort of revolutionizing that space over and over and over again and doing that not as individuals in isolation, but doing that as, I don't know, sort of like the, uh, you know, the Nuggets were when they were winning the fucking championship where you had this guy that was sort of the leader, but they were all sort of operating with the same mind where that subjectivity sort of transcends a singular space where our subjectivity is something that's more integrated, something that's not you're not just yourself. You're part of something that's bigger than you are. So I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm off the, uh, the no, box. dude, I, I'm down with that. The only thing that I would say is that in order to make it work, and I'm not saying we need to think in a linear fashion in any way, shape or form, but we've got to have a fucking starting point. And in order to fail, fail, and fail better, fail more, whatever. You've got to try some things, and and that starting point. You know, well, once you start, you can fail. Learn what you did wrong. Try again. Fail again. I'm I'm down with that. That's fine. Um, but we've got to. And I think that that's where I have such a hard time with it is that these problems, whether we're talking about education or politics or the fucking infrastructure or the environment, whatever it is, the problems seem so great that 
I don't know where to start. I, I mean, this is this is where you and I decided to start, but... Well, all these other things are already happening. Like, it's just a question of how to draw these other bodies into that space where they're... I mean, the first, the first point is what we're doing. You know, you draw... I mean, and you don't need me to tell you this, you know? We, we, we draw out the lie. I telling the listeners. Yeah, we draw out the lie, right? Um, and the various different iterations of the lie. We, we have all these different variables that are in front of us. We have tons of possibilities. Like, it's just a question of how we relate socially to, you know, and, and yeah, like that's, you know, I mean, I could, you know, blow up fucking BlackRock, you know, but I think they're probably going to blow me up first. They've got a lot more resources than I have. But uh, as long as that social space and the social space that I was talking about already exists, it exists in institutions like BlackRock. BlackRock exists for itself. It doesn't exist for society. Right. It's like, I mean, it's curious, like uh, Giannis Varoufakis and uh, Slavoj Žižek have talked about this, you know, many, many times. Um, I'm getting into Etienne Bolivar lately, so I'm going to try to figure out where he's at with regards to it. But uh, um Apple as an institution is not a is not a private corporation. It's a it's a self-contained socialist entity. You know, a lot of these tech spaces are self-contained socialist entities. You know, I mean, we got to find a way to uh, like I mean, like I said about uh, what was the uh, the pirates the um, the East Indian Trading Company, right? I mean, that was the first. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. That was the first iteration of socialism. It wasn't fucking Marx. It wasn't fucking... It was these people that transcended the singular disposition, and they started to work together towards a collective good, you know? And, of course, you can make all kinds of arguments about rational self-interest, and but that's all bullshit. They knew that they could get more if they worked together. The question is just, how do we transcend those, like, tight social spaces to where like everybody's and to where it doesn't turn into something like the bastardized concepts like 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 the soviets or like the chinese you know the passive revolutions like Gramsci referred to like we need to get into a space where i, I i'm not going to spend a lot of time like focusing on because if i look at it like the way that you were talking about it i i start to feel like atlas you know and and i can't do that you know all that can do is what i can fucking do we just need to draw people into the conversation to, you know, to force them to acknowledge that their epistemological foundations are bullshit. I'm not Alice. I'm fucking Sisyphus. Yeah, I, I, I work at the post office, brother. I know. I push that fucking boulder up the hill, <laughs> and it rolls back down every fucking day. <laughs> I am Sisyphus. That really is like the nightmare of my existence, is that that poor fucking bastard. Like, I really do feel like it is just over and over again. Dude, that's what I feel like all the time. And and it, it doesn't matter. Good job, bad job. I mean, all my life I've felt that way. Or like, you know, I talked about in in my book, I I feel like I'm just on a fucking carousel, just going around and around. Was Same it, shit all the time. It could what well, was it Perseus that stole fire from heaven? <clears throat> was he the no? No, Perseus. He, stole, he was the one that was in that goofy fucking movie. Yeah, Perseus was the son of Zeus. Um, 
but or one half, of the sons, but just yeah. a half a half son. What are they, a demigod, right? Demigod. Um. All right. So, do you want to jump down this Greek god rabbit hole, or should we finish this fucking thing? I just think that the up? only thing worse than being uh, Sisyphus would be that dude that was pinned to the fucking side where they the crows went up and. His eyes out. Then his chest, and then he'd wake up the next day and start over and do it again. That's like Sisyphus, like on like uh, Clive Barker acid or something like that. So, well, at least the dude that. against the wall didn't have to make a lot of effort. He just had to sit there. He just had to. Sit. <laughs> that that sounds like <laughs> I feel so much better. I mean. You're fucked either way. Prometheus, I, Prometheus was what I was trying to think of. Yeah, I, yeah Prometheus is a, I, I don't know. Pushing a fucking stone up a hill, that would be exhausting. But getting pecked to fucking death by fucking crows day after day after day would just fucking suck, dude. No doubt. And just so you know, I think I'm pretty sure that if the humans die, all of the animals are dying. Um... The only thing that will actually, in my opinion, be okay is the earth because it's going to heal itself. It's just all the animals are going to die if we die. I'm pretty sure. I don't think all the animals are going to die. Okay, like maybe co- not. Co- cockroaches and Keith Richards. Keith Richards yeah. is still going to be around. He'll be the one fucking sitting down there at the whip facility. Warning people when they show up in ten thousand years. <laughs> <laughs> didn't you there's hear... there's radioactive waste under here. Didn't you hear that fucking disc? Didn't you hear that fucking disc? <laughs> I just need to warn you. Uh, go go elsewhere. You got you got to work on your British accent. No, that wasn't British. It was just. Do you think his British accent is going to wear off after 10,000 years? No. I just was doing a fucking voice. Not... Well, if it's Keith Richards, you know. Sorry, dude. Do Keith Richards to show me. I mean, because... My accent's very bad. We need to try, fail, try again. You need to teach me the way. I was demonstrating in a physical (laughs) sense. I had heroin needles sticking out of my eyeballs. I was getting my blood pumped out of my body and pumped back into my body. All right, on that note. All right, people, Short Bus Debate Club at yahoo.com. 720-334-ROLL. We are going to talk about, you know, green energy and, I guess, books and TVs, movies. Uh, Environmental shit in relation to that. I yeah. have some thoughts. I, I've gone over some stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good about it. So I still need to figure that part out. But anyway, uh, you know where to catch us if you need us. Um, and we will talk to you in the next episode. Thank you.